Hello, and welcome to What the Denmark, the show that explains things that seem peculiar as an outsider in Denmark. I'm Sam. And I'm Josefina. For those of us non-Danes living in Denmark, there are a few things that can make Danes seem, well, a bit rude. For example, not being asked, how are you? And the fact there isn't a word for please. We want to find out why us Danes are so misunderstood when it comes to harmless public interactions. Is it a case that we, the non-Danes, are just being too sensitive? During this episode, we are going to unpick why these misgivings might be and how we can help you understand us Danes better. We're joined by Danish anthropologist and expert on Danish culture, Dennis Nurmark. Dennis, welcome to the show. Thank you. So to get us started, could you perhaps give us a definition of what I mean when I say <laughs> Danes seem a bit cold? Well, they are. I don't know if we give you a precise definition of it because it has to, a little bit to do with how much you value your privacy and how much you want to be alone and, and how much you expect it to spend time on chit-chatting and being around a lot of other people. You could say that Denmark is a culture which we sometimes call a more specific culture versus a diffuse culture. Diffuse culture is a culture where people people are, you know, we really get to know people very well to do all sorts of things with them for them to, you feel, you need to know who they are before you, they can take care of your kids or you can do business or you can make them clean your house, whatever. And 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 Denmark is a country of very sort of specified roles about who you are in this and this relationship. And you don't get You don't you don't invite people into your sort of your personal life of who you really are, but you're very good at playing roles maybe a little bit in your life. That might explain some of it, but I think, you know, it, I, Danish kids are from very early on learned to be very independent, and that means they're not really they don't care for other people. But again, the Danish society is a society where everything is organized for you. You know, everything is organized. The state, the government organizes everything for you. You don't really need friends. You could say <laughs> you don't really. <laughs> need people who can help you with this and this and this because it, it the idea is here that you know, no matter if you have no relations or no family or no friends or everything you can get, live a decent life uh, because we have organized society in such a way that you will be able to be moderately successful anyway hmm. so you're sort of not dependent on anybody so you don't expect to have to give either apart from paying your taxes. Exactly, exactly. There's been some interesting uh, analysis of that. It's not only Danish phenomena, it's really a Scandinavian phenomena that some uh, sociologists have claimed that the reason why Scandinavian society seems so, you know, distancing from each other all the time is that they basically think that they have paid off that, you know, you know, the, the need to be with other people because, and then now they have the right to be alone because they've sort of, I've done my thing. I've done my my share here. So according to these uh, sociologists, and I think the theory is interesting, is that actually Scandinavian countries are an example of an extreme type of individualism. And because of that extreme individual need, they've created an, an enormously collectivist idea of a welfare state to basically balance this, so make it possible people to basically say, "I don't want to participate. Uh, I don't need to be friends with you. I don't need to be close to you. I don't need to take special care here, because you know, as you said, I've, I've paid my share." Hmm. And you often find that people sort of live in their own little world, don't they? Like a bubble. Yeah. So that's also why when you're out walking with a heavy bag, you might not find that anyone helps you. And it's not because 
they're not kind people. They just actually might not even see you. They don't notice you. And also they don't want to intrude. And it means that if you do have a very heavy bag or if you have a stroller you need to have help with getting out the train, you'll feel very alone. Ignoring people is polite here. Yeah. Yeah, because for me, I do find this quite strange. So my, my sort of instinct when getting off a train and like seeing someone with a stroller, A, I'm perhaps just notice it, but I'll just feel like it's my right or duty. No, no, my, right, my duty, duty. Yeah, my duty yeah. to, yes. to go and help. And yeah. I, I, I find it difficult to find a logical way to fit it in my brain that Danes are looking at it and saying, for me, it's like this person needs help to getting this baby stroller off a train, but I'm not going to help them. And I just find that I f- like whenever when I sort of run the logic, mm. I often end up at well, Danes are just being a bit mean here. No, they're not, but they don't want to be in debt to you. And if you are, if you're, if you're helping that person, of course, the likelihood that you'll ever come across this person again and that he will sort of reciprocate and what happened is not very, it's not very likely. But you know, there is an ideal here that you sort of, you know, you you respect people's right to be left alone and there's respect for privacy. And again, if you are helping them, you know, the social contract between human beings is that then I I need to pay that back in somehow, right? So you're basically you're showing this person. You could be, you know interpreted as you show as you being a superior to that person right now because that person cannot reciprocate this or, or even intruding on their private yeah, space yeah, yeah i think the other thing about this that you're mentioning is that you don't want anyone to feel a victim either mm. so this whole no. idea that you know you're helping too much as if this person is not strong enough to manage their own situation that's also about intruding on their space so we are so worried about doing that that we actually are just not helping. That's what I meant by reciprocating, because that, that creates an inequality between you, right? Because you can do something that that person can't. Um, and and the hate, Danes hate inequality more than anything else. You know, the idea that anybody would be superior to anybody else. So, so when you are not really talking to anybody or basically asking them, helping them, you create at least the uh, the ideal or the illusion of everybody being equal. Yeah. It's a yendalone, isn't it? That uh, a little bit like equality, yeah. It's a complex phenomenon. There's a lot of things you know that can explain this, but I think part of it is you know the need to be left alone, the the respect for privacy. There's an element of that idea of egalitarianism as well. Mm. Yeah. I, I I get it. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but I just I just find that there must be a way to help the mum or dad with the stroller getting off the train without coming over and being like and, and of course you can but this sense of like how is there not a way in danish culture that those little interactions you can do these little things without it implying that i am superior to you but you have to remember denmark is a very proactive society that means that people will look at that lady struggling to get her luggage on the top shelf in the train thinking if she needs help she will tell me ask so. mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that's the idea here. If you want something done with you, you mm. want help, you have to be very proactive about it. A lot of Danes make that mistakes, even in your in business life, having a having a meeting with internationals and just waiting for the internationals to say something. And they're waiting for somebody to ask them to say something. Yeah. And then the Danes said bad thing. Why didn't they say anything? Because they expected you to sort of say, so what's on your mind? Mm. What do you think about this? In Denmark... Like from early on in, in in kindergarten and and school, we learn just to shout and speak our mind and say whatever unqualified idea we have, um, because that's what you do if you want to if you want to be listened to. You know, you have to speak up if you want to get help, feedback, whatever. Ask for it. Yeah, I mean, so how then have 
other cultures, let's say, evolved mm. to have a place where you don't be as proactive? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, there's a lot of reasons for this. And some some of them are, you know, some of it is not really very well reasoned. Some of it has just to do with norms that just happen to evolve there. But I think one element in Denmark is the uh, large amount of homogeneity, you know, that this is a population that are very like-minded and looks very similar and share fundamentally some of the same values. You know, if you come to a diverse society like, you know, the UK, for instance, which has a lot of different ethnic groups, a lot of class difference, you know, people are not alike in the UK. They're very different. And when you're around people who are very different, you sort of, the sociological theory tells you that then you have to have a lot of etiquette and a lot of rules and formalized way of being around each other. Because how do you know that that person is not an enemy? You know, um, the idea of of having a sort of a civilized society, the idea that you have rules and etiquette about how to sit and how to read and how to eat, etc., etc., those were probably developed around the 17 and 18 and 1600s, slowly in most societies, just to make people stop killing each other, right? You know, a long time ago, every social gathering was like Game of Thrones. People killed each other at weddings. So they had to stop doing that. Um, So at at one point, they had to figure out rules to sort of engage with people that you don't know. To say, okay, I know when you behave in this way, when you raise your your hat like this or answers me in this way, I know that you will do me no harm. You are not a friend, but somebody I can at least rely on here. So a lot of these, Norbert Elias, um, German sociologist, discovered this. So in societies where you basically feel that you're already around people who are like yourself, like really where you feel at home in a way, and the others are not strangers to you, then the level of formalization should, you know, theoretically be lowered. And I think that's what happens in Denmark. People are behaving towards other Danes like it was their close kin. It's interesting um, the way that we bring our children up to be very independent, as you mentioned before as well. And they have to be proactively deciding what they want to do. They have to speak up if they have an issue. And if not, they literally will not be seen. Uh, So they learn from a very early age to do so. That can come across as rude in some cultures. But at the same time, I'd also like to say that we do really think about bringing our kids up not to be bullies. A lot of people actually think that Danish kids come across as very rude because they talk to adults. They say their first name. They don't say Mrs. Falkvarts or Mr. Floyd. They would just talk straight to them, look them in the eye, say what what's on their mind because they're used to being allowed to engage with adults and other people like that on equal terms. But at the same time, we do also teach them to respect other people's rights and not to bully. So we do have some rules as to how to behave in a nice, non-rude way, but it's just a Danish way. Well, sure, because they, they don't know they come across as rude. If they knew... No, they've been taught to do but, that. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes I, I I spend a whole lot of time teaching Danes that this behavior does not really work very well. And you seem rude or disrespectful or too direct or something like that. And you have to tone it down a little bit. And they think, oh, they get very upset because they really didn't want to be that way. They thought they were just being honest or just being straightforward and open. And because that's a 
value in Danish society as well. To not hide things, to basically speak your mind, say what you think. So in that way, they were actually, they are actually very open people. You know, people sometimes have have referred to Danes as as a ketchup bottle, where you sort of bang it forever and nothing happens until everything comes out. <laughs> And that's how Danes work in a way. And they can seem very, very close. And then you can have a 10-minute conversation with them what they tell you about the last time they gave birth. And you'll be thinking, where did that come from? How how did that evolve so quickly, right? Um, but that's what I told you the, about, about a specific relationship. You're a little bit scared, but then suddenly when we allow you into the core, then a lot of things comes at mm. the same time. I think we, we've spoken a lot, haven't we, about Josephine the colleague, Josephine the friend, and this sort of you might bump into a colleague walking down the street. In other cultures, you'd be like, oh, this is Josephine from work. Hi, how are you? But in Denmark, <laughs> it's, it's often sort of, we're now in a different setting. We'll just nod yeah. kind of thing. It's a private sphere. And yeah. we don't attend, as you were saying as well, Dennis, we have our bubbles or spheres and they're very sort of, divided or there's a clear border around them and that basically means that when we're at work we're at work we're very chatty we will actually tell our colleagues about our personal life we will joke with them and so on but when we're then out of work for example if we go for a walk with our family and we bump into them it will be a very brief greeting because you don't want to intrude on their private life because now they're in their private mm. sphere and we're not friends with them we're not friends with yeah. the people at work We actually know this from some surveys that Danes have less of friends at work than any other place in Europe. And when you are, there's an interesting thing that when Gallup, the Gallup survey, ask a question everywhere, and you know the Gallup work survey is used everywhere, but it's also used in Denmark. And the Gallup has a problem with the question: Do you have a best friend at work? Because in Denmark, it always puzzles people. What do you mean, best friend at work? Of course, I don't. Right? You know, should I? What is a good friend? You know, it, they, but in many other places, it, the, that question works fine. But in Denmark, it confuses people, and Gallup gets weird results every time in Denmark. Hmm. I'm curious, actually, what are some of the ways that you teach Danish people to kind of soften their language or sort of adapt a bit? I'll, I'll tell you an example that I've found is the use of the smiley face in an email, hmm. like. Suddenly, I'll just get an incredibly. If you take the smiley face away, this is an incredibly direct, almost you know, brute email. You stick a smiley face on, and suddenly, oh, it's okay. That that's sort of something I've seen. Is 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 that? Are there sort of other ways that you've you found that? Well, the smiley is a please because Danish does not have a word for please or bitter or silver play or whatever you have. So in Denmark, since we don't really have that, we need to soften it in other ways. And putting an, a head in there, even though it seems, for many people, an unprofessional way of communicating, especially in a business situation. Then for, for many Danes, that sort of solves the, the problem. If they show, Instead of avoiding um, exclamation marks or whatever, or writing capital letters, you don't find that a lot, but you find people using the face. Because... We don't have a way to ask politely for something. We don't feel the need to ask politely for something. No, because of course we would do that. So we actually have yeah. this sort of, of course we would be polite people. So if you take that as a given, then you feel that you can write however you want to write and you just give a very clear message. Because why would you not mean it politely? So so basically that's where the confusion is. If, if nobody leaves was right that formalities and etiquette is basically because you're scared of other people, then I think that explains why it isn't done because you're, you're scared is, of nobody. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, because yeah. I've, I've literally like, I find myself writing messages and then putting in, you know, no worries if not yeah. or something. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm writing to a Dane. I can, who's a friend. I can just delete that. Yeah. And so I'm writing these things which seem incredibly 
just it feels weird to send click send and i click send and it's like yes totally fine see you see you saturday exactly. or something it's exactly like, exactly and, and yeah. i think elias yeah. was right about this that's what the, that's what etiquette does or formalities does you know in i i usually try to explain it that you know danes are just around each other as you are with your own family right are you very polite when you're with your family Usually not because you know them and you can you 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 just basically take the potatoes necessarily not necessarily say dad can I please take the potatoes or, you know you and just remember the Danes feel like that all the time uh, so they don't feel that they have to treat each other like a rotten egg uh, because it's just another Dane you know what what harm can there be <laughs> I, yeah I, I think that the one thing which, which can often feel and I think this is one of the reasons we're sort of excited to do this particular episode is that it's something where if you come in from a culture where there is this etiquette or this, there is this, how are you, these sort of pleasantries, and then they're absent when you come to Denmark, you're assuming that they're not there and that Danish people just don't care or... Imagine us coming to your country, to 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 the to the UK. They have a sense, to be honest, to feel that people are a little bit fake. Uh, because people are saying a lot of pleasantries, are saying a lot of niceties and blah, blah, blah. But, but you know, there's this, you know, phenomenon of British coded language when, when people say something but really mean something else. And that, that you know, that frustrates Danes because they're thinking, what, what are you hiding from me? Why can't you just say it who, what it is? You know, don't you trust me? Do you, why do you have to be so dishonest with me? So they don't see, you know, classic British politeness as a way of welcoming other people, but basically distancing them. Like when Danes travel to the U.S., and get frustrated about people saying excuse me all the time or sorry uh, while banging or, into you or, very or hard like, could you just shut up and ignore me I'm used to that from home you know don't make any conversation with me please just yeah, so pretend I'm not there right I think it's, it's a fascinating point that politeness is actually increasing the distance between people I never thought of it that way that, that actually yeah Yeah, and it, it actually, as you were mentioning, Dennis, it actually can come across as very rude when people are not honest with us because we have this idea that people should be, they should speak their mind. They should be honest because that's what we give them as our gift is that we are open and honest. And then so when people, they say something between the lines, we are like, how do I have to interpret that? Can't they just speak their mind and say what they really think? Because then we can get on with it, we can be honest with each other, and we can get business done. A lot of it has to do with time efficiency. The Danes are very, very scared of wasting other people's time. And their own. <laughs> yeah, and their own as well. So in this way, you know, and we, you know us, we work from, you know, nine to f- uh, three and four, and then we're off, right? So you have to be efficient. You have to get things done. So if, if Danes feel that they have to start a conversation with blah, blah, niceties about how's the weather and how you've like, okay, please, I have 10 I, I minutes will, for I, this. I will, I will say, I interject here, better than the Germans, oh, I yeah, found. Yeah. <laughs> the German, like, at least Denmark, at least there is at least the pretense of small talk. Everything here yeah. is on a continuum, right? You, yeah. can find, you can find more ruder people in the Netherlands than in mm. Denmark. So yeah. so that that's how when we compare countries, we have to remember that this is not the only place that people are doing this. And there are places where people do it even more. But there are also places where people do like we do for other reasons than why we do it. So things are complex. Mm. Yeah. And I think that if people, they waste our time at work by having too much small talk, we know that that is time taken out of our private sphere with our children and family. And that is priced very highly in Denmark, this space that we have. And The whole thing about being efficient at work and being able to do the same work as maybe other nations in much shorter time is because we are very much to the point and <sighs> get on with it. Exactly, mm. exactly. 
Yeah, and I sometimes teach Danes who engage in a meeting with uh, colleagues from, I don't know, s- Southern Europe or the Middle East or whatever, that when they feel like they're wasting your time with all these conversations, say, no, 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 you're building a lot of other things. For instance, you're building trust. We have that already here. Everybody trusts everybody in Denmark. You don't have to spend time showing that I'm a good person. We think the other person is a good person by default. So you don't really have to invest so much. So a lot of the politeness, et cetera, is, is a way of invest, showing in, you, know, you invest in that person. But here, that is much more easily and quickly done with. You know, whenever I do a lot of work in Kenya still, and when I'm speaking to my colleagues there, we'll always feel, we'll always start with asking, how are you? How's your family? And and sort of doing these things, it, it might feel like the long way around, but it's sort of, as you say, it's this way of, yeah, investing in the relationship in a, in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here, it just isn't that necessary. And it is that building trust. I, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and when they start scaling up and they go international, they have to handle all sorts of cultures. For example, if you have your bags and shoes produced in Italy, you'll be meeting a very different culture. And there, there will be a lot of focus on creating this trust. So from the moment you're picked up at the airport, You don't take a taxi yourself. You don't manage yourself. Someone will pick you up. They'll introduce you to their family. They'll take you home. Um, they will make a big effort to show you who they are so you can build a relationship where you can trust each other and no one messes each other around. And that is basically because you don't have a society there that is trust-based as we do in Denmark. And that takes time to to get used to. It does. I have this fascinating research project I once read about Danes traveling to Spain, where they actually had to relive all that, becoming amigos, and it takes time to go out for beers, etc. And, and for the Danes, it took a while to realize, okay, that's professional. You have to do this. It's not seen as a professional thing in Denmark. So they spent time on that. The funny thing is, that though, that when the Danes came home, they hadn't realized that this was just a professional relationship. So they started sending them emails and inviting them home to Denmark for Christmas and showed them pictures of their kids and the Spanish was just like we're just amigos and we're not really friends right so that again you have it the ketchup was out of the bottle because you you transgress that border when the Danes suddenly don't know what's going on here now we're friends or whatever because we must be because this type of behavior isn't what we professionally you know you usually do so again here we have you know a classic clash of expectations to what is private and what is public Dennis, I've got a question here, or like in our notes beforehand, we were, we were coming up with things that seem a bit confusing that could be related to this sort of Danish etiquette. And a big thing that my, myself and quite a few of our listeners have emailed in about is the etiquette around birthday cakes. <laughs> and yeah. the idea that in Denmark, when it's your birthday and you go to the office, you provide the birthday cake for everybody. Yeah. Uh, whereas, as far as I'm aware, in every other country in the world, everyone else buys you a birthday right. cake. Um, yeah. Do you have any idea why why that why that's played out this way? I think you know my interpretation of it. You know, regarding with the things I already said, is that you know, if you give a cake to everybody else, you have given them something, and then they don't need to necessarily reciprocate that. If it's your birthday and people are now giving you a cake, then you feel, oh, what do I have to return this with, right? So basically, you give it to the individual to say, well, do you want to celebrate your birthday or not? 
Right. Because we don't want to enforce a celebration on your birthday on you and giving you a cake that now you have to reciprocate in somehow. You decide that yourself. Again, it's an individual choice if you want to play part in, in this or, or not. You can't decide whether or not people to give you a birthday cake, right? That would be an odd sort of referendum to have at work. Are we allowed to do that to you, Katrina, or not? But because people don't do that, you can decide for yourself and 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 give a birthday cake if you want to. And And again, then you're free. And saying that, actually, we don't uh, spend a lot of money on presents for each other either, no, no. because it's mostly about the thought, because yeah. we are a country of people who are doing quite well. Even if you are on benefits, you will do all right. And therefore, we don't expect big presents. It's more about you coming there, you supporting your friends, and particularly with your company. We do really expect that when we do have a party, our friends come, our family comes, also if they have to travel a bit But the presents are not important. No, hmm. and you don't get presents from your colleagues usually, unless it's sort of an anniversary or your 50 years or 60 years or something like that. Then you celebrate it more, right? But again, have, and men you... are less romantic as well. I must yeah. say that uh, if we're moving into the love life and so on, I'm very glad I have an English husband. But basically, you know, sending each other flowers and so on, it doesn't happen a lot in Denmark. It can happen, but. You know, yeah, I must say my experience with gift giving is maybe slightly different. The thing which has shocked is um, the wish list, and and like this is <laughs> the precise thing that I would like to have, often with a price tag. For me, it just takes all the joy out of. It just feels a bit transactional. And it's sort of like, oh, mm. what, you know, what am I going to get my severe morph? It seems my... like an orders list. A little bit, yeah. And so it's just a slightly different way of doing it where it's a bit like, okay, well, All right, then I guess I'm off to the shops and buying this particular thing as opposed to, oh, what would my mother-in-law bring It's practical, like that? isn't yeah. it? I mean, we're very practical and, and also we don't need that much. So the things we get, they should be the right things. So we, and, you know, we're not worried about, I mean, prices either. So, for example, in families, you might have an agreement that you say, okay, uh, each child get for max 300 kroner per child. And then we know they all are equal. They get the same thing. And here is the list of things my child would like or I would like. And then that's a price bracket. It's to avoid an awkward situation. You know, you know what you're going to get. And and again, otherwise you'd say, oh, give me something special, something only, you know, only I would like. That gives a whole lot of pressure on another person to go out and do that. Yeah, and I know you. I, you know, I in my family we do that. I don't like that way of doing things either, because I like to show that yes, I've actually picked up a present that I think you would like, uh, and I've put some effort into this. But again, not if you're pushing too much into other people's life, right? Again, their private life, and saying you need to find me something special. And again, that that's a bit rude in Denmark, right? It's much easier just to say, well, I expect this, or these these are the sort of the list parameters, of, yeah. yeah, parameters of it. And I think it's a way of again of not intruding too much, yeah. of not asking too much of other persons. It's true. I, I just I feel that there's um, there is value in depending on other people and other people depending on you, mm. and and that that's sort of often how you build yeah deep relationships or relationships with people. I've never sort of thought of it in this way of you know you, you don't sort of interact with people for the fear that they will owe you a favor, mm. and it's just interesting how that's like quite ingrained. Yeah. You're saying yeah. whereas in as you say in other cultures for other reasons there is value in being indebted to people. So if this person is indebted to me, then we're more likely to trust each other, sure. for example. Sure. So, yeah. But Sam, what you might also come across if you do tend to just buy a present you think the other person would like in Denmark is that they might be very frank with you and say, 
that's not really my style. So I'd like to take it back. Do you have you got the receipt? Yeah. And, and that is a very endearing uh, sign of trust and love mm. because the fact that they dare be so honest with you, mm. that actually means that they think you have a deep relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the, the Danes do a lot of what we call a balanced reciprocity. That means that you return like with like. So in this way, you make an, an constant equality versus generalized reciprocity, where you think I'm giving you something and you can always return it, you know, at some later point when you feel like it. having that, you know, hanging there, that relationship is what happens in a lot of cultures where people don't trust each other, traditional cultures, because they have to have a lot of, you know, things out there they can they can take when needed. But in Denmark, you like to finish it off in a way, you balance it and say, now we I've given you a Christmas present and you're giving me a Christmas present fairly the same amount. Fine, right? Uh, so in this way, you 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 could say you reject the social connection, which you basically also do by balanced reciprocity. While in generalized reciprocity, you keep it going for a very long time. And again, in cultures where you really need network and family and personal relationships and friends to think, keep things going, then you prefer generalized reciprocity because that keeps that engine running. Mm. But in Denmark and in, in many Scandinavian countries, it's not really like that. So you can rely on a more and more balanced way of giving and taking. It is really interesting the way sort of we give and take, isn't it, in Denmark? And we don't want to owe anyone anything or be owed anything. So it is a way of looking after each other. I, I am wondering, I mean, we were talking a little bit earlier about childhood and the way that we raise our children, whether it there's already some of that happening then. Um, I know that we're very careful that, for example, if we do birthday parties for children, we organize in the class how much we should be able to give. So we say, okay, 50 kroner per child. Um, and that's it, because then we know that they're all given the same. So already there, mm. you know, we will say that. Or there might be an agreement. We say, okay, none of our children need anything. So we just give the money to charity. This is how much we give. Then the kid can choose pick the charity so so we agree these things uh, very early on so that everything is fair and square yeah. it's a very very you know, very organized society and very um you could call it pre-negotiated society uh, there are other societies that are less pre-negotiated that's why danes hate tipping as well they absolutely hate giving tips because they don't know what is the right amount Please tell me, is it 10%, 15%? Could you just write the tip down? Please, I don't want to start a real negotiation with you around that. They prefer things to be sort of organized in that way because otherwise I have to start all sorts of things. Do I like that person? Did he get good service? You know, so you know, could you could say that everything's pre-bargained and pre-negotiated in Denmark. Even though we are, you know, a country of merchants who like to batter it, et cetera, et cetera. You know, when it comes to these sort of social relationships, we like things to be a little more fixed. I think that's a really important perspective, particularly for foreigners coming into Denmark. So what would be the right thing to do in terms of tipping? Because maybe people come from a culture where they're used to tipping and then they don't know what to do in Denmark. What what do we do? I have no idea. Again, because we, I'm just as, as confused yeah. about this because it depends a little bit where you are. I think people add like maybe, I don't know, I really don't know. But we Maybe. don't tend to tip because actually it's often in the bill, isn't it? it? It's it's sometimes it is. It depends a little bit. You know, I live in Copenhagen, and and it's become very international here. You know, if you go to places in Jutland, for instance, southern Jutland or northern Jutland or wherever, a little bit on the countryside, you would never tip anybody anywhere. Absolutely not. You you do it here in Copenhagen because it's become more international. So the habit of tipping and the expectations also, you know, 
90% of the personnel you meet in a restaurant are not Danish, right? So you expect it to be more international. So I think things are changing a little bit here, but go into the countryside and you will see no tipping. Dennis, there was, uh, so I saw uh, a talk that you gave a few weeks ago, and there was this, this fascinating study, or actually this word that you introduced mm-hmm. to the crowd. And I'm going to say it wrong, gelatophobia. Yeah. Can you sort of expand on that a bit? What, what does that mean? Well, it was a sociological concept about, or maybe psychological, I can't remember, but the idea is that some people are more scared of other people's laughter than others. Some people are more protecting of face and honor and reputation, etc. And they're very harmed if they feel that people are ridiculing them or making them the, the object of laughter. So if you have a high degree of gelatophobia, you're afraid of that, afraid of being exposed. Yeah, like, gelatophobia yeah. is the fear of being laughed the at. The fear of being laughed at. Mm. And, and in Denmark, according to the University of Zurich, who have studied this in 72 countries, they find the lowest degree of people who have fears of other people's laughter. Uh, so you would say that in Denmark, you would expect people to be the object of people's joke, and you need to be able to live with that, right? You need to, you know, people will laugh and make jokes with you and all the time. And in Denmark, it's a way of including people in your midst to say, well, I can, you're not a special character that we can't have a joke about, because just exactly because you're not superior, you're, you're not anything, you're just like me. So we can expand this, you know, laughing environment with each other. And that's why, basically, the funny thing is when the Danish Unionsposten uh, made the cartoons by, of the Prophet Muhammad, that is exactly what they actually wrote next to the, the cartoon, is that when you are in Denmark, you expect it to not have, there's no special care for you. And there's no spe- you're, not, you're not limited. You're not a group of people that we can't laugh at. To include you, Muslims, in Denmark, you have to take the same piss as everybody else are taking. Because that's our odd way of saying you're part of the tribe. You're not, we don't need to take special care of you. It's our way of including you to mock your prophet. I know that didn't go very well, right? Uh, To put it mildly. But the idea here is that, that laughing at people, including them, making jokes, sometimes harsh jokes, is a way of welcoming people into the group. And that is misunderstood a lot. We we talked a little bit about exactly this and we talked about it as campfire mentality. So mm. it's bringing people in around this campfire. Yeah. And basically you have to be able to laugh at yourself and at others. And when you're around the campfire, there is complete trust. Yeah. So you know that when people make their jokes, when they're ironic, when they're sarcastic, it's meant lovingly. Yeah. And and it's actually this love has to be acknowledged so much that even the extremist sayings or behavior is acceptable. And I think if you take UK as an example, they actually have a pretty high degree, or at least England, they looked at it in England, a very high degree of philosophy. And that surprises people because there's a lot of humor and joking in, in the UK. Yes, but there's a lot of anxiety around it as well because they don't have that equality. You know, if you've been to the UK, you've seen people can say some really harsh things to each other in a sarcastic way that sounds really, really nasty. So in this way, because it's not a sort of an idea of a campfire, we all sitting together you look at what is that person's position who is who is he who is she and all of that gets to be a part of it a joke like that in Denmark it really isn't the way you know you you joke about your boss that is actually something that again 
equalizes things. So now the boss is not a special person. He's a person just like you and me. So he's part of the joke. We can ridicule him. Everything is fine. So in Denmark, jokes are used as an, a way to equalize things again, making things plain, getting out of conflicts, uh, avoiding tense situation. Um, they use it for trying to de-escalate conflicts, which is so funny. If you take Americans, for instance, when they use irony, they actually do that to provoke people. It's usually a way to provoke, to say something ironic. Uh, but in Denmark, it's almost the reverse. You try to get out of a situation by re- being ironic about it. So if, if you're at a restaurant, great service. Yeah, exactly. And, that yeah. Provoke, okay. and then you yeah. start having a conversation, yeah. right? Um, but in, De- in Denmark, if you do that, it, it's sort of, you, that's your way of getting out of the situation, right? You, you sort of said what you wanted, but now we, we close it, right? But I think also what's really important in Denmark is that we laugh together. Mm-hmm. So you would never do this behind someone's back. I mean, you would never laugh at... Well, it would be rude and horrible if you laughed at the boss behind their back. But if you laugh with the boss, or if you say something really arrogant or rude in a group together with the boss, the boss will probably take it as a compliment because it means that everyone feel that there is a safe space of trust where we can all joke around. Mm. And joking around is simply important. And again, I think that's why a lot of people struggle with Danes not being very politically correct and sometimes saying something about race or gender or ethnicity that you think, oh my God, what did they just say? But that's again, if you want to have a conversation that's very free, where people can joke about anything or everything, then you don't allow for a lot of, you know, being careful about not saying inappropriate stuff. I think the reason why, in many ways, Denmark was a little bit slower than other countries about accepting the the Me Too movement is because if it's funny, then it's okay, right? And here we were very scared of harming the tradition for having a very free speech, well-humored conversation where you can say, you know, just basically what's on your mind and saying something that is funny and makes people laugh. That has a great value in Denmark. So I think Danes are have been worried that that whole political correctness wave would take away all the laughter and fun and joy that we have. Um, and that's probably why it has caught on a little bit later here than many other places. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting as well. If we just go back to childhood, I think that there's also room for behavior that can come across as exceptionally rude, like swearing. Mm. Children swear a lot. They play around with the words. They test the boundaries and adults will even do that and you let them and now I have children in an international school and they're also a Danish department in that school and there's a lot of clashes because the Danish kids will run around using the F word and say a lot of of Mm. what comes across as exceptionally rude to the international children of course they're testing the boundaries but it's just not rude on the level that we would know it internationally yeah that's true Um, especially English swear words, simply are taken out of context here. So we don't really think about how nasty they actually are to say. Um, I've got a quick follow-up on Danes being okay at being laughed at. Yeah. The one exception or the one scenario where I've seen this doesn't happen mm. is when someone's making fun of Denmark. <laughs> yeah, or the Queen. Or the, well, maybe or the Queen. <laughs> Which don't is the want same that. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's sort of this sense of, oh, yeah, Danes, they can laugh at anything, laugh yeah. at anything. And then someone sort of makes a joke, but, oh, no, but, but what? No, no, but we're, we're a small, you know, we're a small nation. Or, like, mm. you know, or we're, they, mm. people get quite defensive. And I think, actually, when we, when we were thinking of how to describe this podcast, 
initially it was like, oh, you know, understanding what's weird about Denmark. Mm-hmm. And I tested this out with uh, my girlfriend and her family, and they were all a bit like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> what are you saying? We're like, oh, I don't know. Are we weird? Like, you don't want to offend people. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was, it was quite strange how in, in other yeah. aspects, it's fine to be offensive, but when you're being offensive about Denmark... That's because you're an outsider. <laughs> so I'm not allowed to make that joke. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I can do that. Okay, and I do, do that, that all the time. And yeah. there's no problem. Mm-hmm. If one of their own tribe starts, you know, saying stuff about what I'm saying today and, and making jokes about the Danish mindset of what we do, they feel absolutely fine at laughing about their, at their own country. So again, in this, in this way, the low level of gilotophobia is very clear. But I think we have a tendency, all of us, to be protective about the environment we're part of. You can also say critical stuff about your own family in your family. Mm. But heaven forbid somebody outside of your family come and criticize your mom and dad or whatever. They might be right, but they're not allowed to. And I think we do the same with our group, you know, with our in-group, that we basically think that we have to protect it and defend it from people who are not part of it. So I think this is not a very Danish thing. I think it's a very humane and universal thing. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know if it is, actually, because I, I think it, it is at, a, at an in-group level. But for that to, to expand to the nation, the national level, I think that's, that's fairly... Yeah, maybe it depends a little bit, you know, how, again, how proud you are about your country, you know. You've been, you've been very harsh against your own country for a long time, really been extremely critical about the, the British Empire, etc. Et you've been flacking yourself for a long time, you know, what do you call it? Yeah. Whipping. Whipping, whipping yourself. Whipping yourself, yeah. Yeah. Whipping yourself uh, about this. And um, and I've had a really long conversation about colonialism. We haven't had that here for a very long time, right? Um, so we are, we're still a little bit in the, in the protective uh, area. And I think there you know, there are some countries, of course, you'll, well, you'll find people need the greater need to defend their country, I think. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. But I think the universal, universal thing about being the, f- want to be the first one to criticize, you have the right to do that if you're part of the group. I think for most people that, that, That's the mindset we have. But the interesting thing about the Danes is we whine a lot about everything. But as you say, we can whine about our own situation and our own country, but no one else should whine about it. We are very proud of what Denmark can do and for what we manage considering the small size of our country. Yeah, it's the against all odds narrative, which is very strong here. Yeah, My husband is English. And so, um, you know, I hear a lot from his perspective and... For example, when we have people visiting us at home, often people will point out all the problems that they see. And that is sort of a way to engage in the Danish way, it seems. But it seems extremely rude to him that he opens his home and then people will pinpoint all the negatives. So, for example, someone built a big house that's overlooking our garden and it's been a great upset to us. And the first thing... Most people say, most Danes say when they come in, it's like, oh, such a shame with that house. And he's like really (laughs) upset about this. Why would they do such a thing? That's really rude. I mean, you know, why would they want to remind us and make us feel worse? But actually what they're trying is sort of to... To be be honest and including and saying, well, we all know that that house is terrible. Why why should we, you know, pretend it isn't? You know, why be fake? So again, he's he comes from a culture where where you could say fakeness is more <laughs> accepted because it's also considered polite, right? Um, mm-hmm. But here, f- that is type of of um, 
you know, polite behavior is simply just viewed as, as, as dishonest. It brings us closer to each other, but we can all share what everybody thinks. Yeah, right? the misery or whatever it is. We can we yeah. can talk about everything, yeah. frankly, yeah. and let's just get to the point. Yeah. Okay, we have an issue here. Yeah. We've now talked about honestly about that, and then you move on to yeah. all the I other things. I <laughs> share in your misery of that house. I take part in it. I'm, I'm, I'm not leaving you with that problem alone. I'm thinking, yes, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it looks horrible, right? We've got quite a number of our listeners are tourists coming to Denmark either now or soon. Um, what would be some sort of advice that you'd give for somebody who's coming off the plane first time in Denmark, just to sort of explain why Danes might be doing something, yeah, something that which might feel a bit mm. uncomfortable to them. Yeah, I think one of the things that you you experience is, for instance, that you know the people don't chit chat. You know, if you're standing there, you they they're ignoring you. You get might get the door slammed in your face uh, because again, if the polite thing is to ignore other people, then the the polite thing is to basically say that you're air. You're you're part of the air. Ignoring people is polite. Ignoring people is polite. Again, also if you step on people's toe, you don't do not necessarily do a lot. <laughs> right? It it is okay. Um, and, but but again, you could also surprise Danes a little bit by sometimes you know asking them something about their country because Danes love to talk about Denmark. And they give, and give some exams, etc. So if you really want to chit chat, you know, go go for these issues because they're pretty okay, as long as you don't criticize. Yeah, very <laughs> good. All right. So I guess that's all we need to say. Thank you very much, Dennis. Uh, where, where can people uh, learn more about you and your work? Oh, they can uh, visit my my uh, webpage, uh, Dennis uh, Normag with an O instead of an U. Uh, .dk. Yeah. We'll link to that afterwards. Very good. It's been really, really interesting to uh, hear your views on this and also the fact that you have all the academic knowledge about Danish culture. Thank you so much. Thanks to everyone who has helped in the creation of the episode, including Andreas Poulsen, Jack Yearn, Tevin Sudi and Mia Dreling. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We are still early in our journey of resolving cultural confusion in Denmark and would love for you to join us by subscribing to our show on your podcast app. If you like this episode, please do consider telling your friends about it. And you can also head over to whatthedenmark.com to receive our newsletter or find us on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Josefine Folkvarts. And I'm Sam Floyd. Uh, yeah, we look forward to hearing from you again. Hearing from you again? Speaking to you again. I got that wrong. Hearing from you. Hearing speaking, from you again. Speaking. Speaking from you. I get all, get all the That's way. That's for the bluebirds. And then, yeah, we'll mess that one up. Yeah. We definitely need something for the <laughs> Nice bloopers. one. Super stuff.